Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. a lot of things. Amen? Huh? No, no, come on now. Let me say that again. <laughs> Moms are really good at a lot of things, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And one of the things that they're especially good at is little sayings that are part wisdom, part sarcasm, and part threat, right? I mean, you, you, you ladies, you particularly have that triple threat going on there, right? Wisdom, sarcasm, and threat all rolled into one. Mom-isms, if you will, all right? Phrases that you probably swore you would never, ever say, but now that you have kids, you have turned into your mother. <laughs> it was, uh, momism's like, because I said so. That's why, right? As long as you're under my roof, you'll live by my rules. Are your legs broken? <laughs> I love that one, right? Wait until your father gets home. Or here's the perfect one. I love this one all the time, right? If your friend jumped off a bridge, would you? Those are momisms, right? Stop crying, or I'll give you something to cry about. Used that one before. I think that's a dadism, too. <laughs> Do you think money grows on trees? Don't make me turn this car around. Were you born in a barn? Right? We really don't want the kid to answer that. You know? but, but, but at any rate. How many of you this morning have used a momism once or twice or a thousand times, right? We've all done that, all right? One momism that just keeps coming to my mind this week is this one. Honey, don't spoil your appetite. Right? That's what we usually hear when mom's getting close to dinner time and we're beginning to get a little bit hungry. She's working hard to prepare that food, that good, healthy, hearty food that's going to nourish us and fill us and satisfy us all the way through breakfast. And then she looks over and she's in the middle of cooking and she sees you digging through the pantry looking for cookies or chips or whatever you can grab, right? Some lesser food that, that's just not enough to make you satisfied, but it's just enough to make you skip supper and be hungry again before bed. And so she says, honey, don't spoil your appetite. Dinner's going to be ready in just a few. And then she shoes you away from the pantry. Moms do this. Because they love us. They know there's only so much room in our bellies and it's better to have real food than snack food filling us up. They know that, that, that in our rush to stifle those cravings, those rumblings of our tummies, that we are prone to missing out on the good and the great and the enduring because we've settled for the mediocre and the temporary. And I want to say to you this morning, the same is true in our spiritual lives. So often, y'all, we spoil our appetites for God and the things of God by filling ourselves with lesser things. Not necessarily bad things, but lesser things. Temporal things. Things that will not satisfy us in the long run. And so we find in ourselves, because we are nibbling around the edges, we find ourselves having no hunger for God. As we look at our two key texts this morning, we see this situation explained and illustrated. First, look with me. Go to Psalm 107, verse 9. Psalm 107, verse 9. 
says this. It says, for God satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. So here we have a picture of God, a declaration of God that says that he is ready to fill you with good things, right? He has prepared the utmost for your life, the best for your life, that good, hearty, sustaining, satisfying thing for your life. He is ready to give you what is going to bless you. He's going to pour into you what will satisfy you. But then we flip over to our other key text, which is Proverbs 27, verse 7. Proverbs 27, verse 7 says this. Here's what we read. It says, one who is full loathes honey, but the one who is hungry Everything bitter is sweet. Now, here in this proverb, honey represents all the good things from God that's spoken of back in Psalm 107, verse 9. I mean, it includes all of that. All these good things that God is getting ready to deliver to us, bless us with, honey represents those things. It's the sweet goodness that makes your eyes pop open and your mouth go, mmm, that was good, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. But a person who is full, you've had enough. They loathe honey. They reject even honey because their belly's been filled and they can't stand even the thought of putting another thing in their mouth. But if a man is hungry, he will eat whatever he can find and it'll be good to him. Think back to the prodigal son who got so hungry that he began to eat the things that he was feeding the pigs. And to you and to me, that makes us vomit even thinking about it maybe. But to a man that's hungry, even that which is bitter will be sweet to him. And so we see in these two passages a key spiritual principle for us. And here it is. You need to get this in our spirit this week. If you are going to receive the good things from God that he wants to pour into your life, then you must be hungry for it. You must be hungry for it. Beloved, I declare to you that this week, culminating in next Sunday, I believe that God wants to pour many good things into into your life as an individual, into our life as Eastwood as a whole, as we come into the season of consecration, which means being set apart for God, being devoted in a greater way to God. I believe that God wants to bless you beyond measure with many good things, mainly himself. Let's get that right first, right? The blessing that you're going to primarily get, and you may get all sorts of blessings, but the primary blessing you're going to get is God himself, which far outweighs any other blessing. But God wants to pour out blessing on you. How many of you guys want to receive good things from God? Amen? Then here's the deal. If you ain't hungry, you're going to reject it. If we aren't hungry, we'll reject it because one who is full loathes honey. And God is sweet like honey. So we're going to do everything in our power this week to get hungry for God. We're going to do everything in our power to get hungry for God. And one of the ways that God instructs us in Scripture to get hungry for Him 
is to get hungry for food. You see, you and I are made of two parts, right? We are spiritual and we are physical. But we're not two separate things, right? Those things don't operate in two different realms. They operate in one being, and so they coincide. They cooperate with one another, and and one affects the other one. And God has made us in such a way that our physical appetite is connected to our spiritual appetite. One of the ways that he has created for us to get hungry for God is to fast. So here's the challenge. Here's the challenge for today. And if you're a person who likes challenges, here's the challenge. If you don't like challenges, here's the challenge. (laughs) Here's the challenge. Fast and pray this week to prepare for consecration next Sunday. You see, next Sunday, we will not be here at 9444 Scottsville Road as Eastwood Baptist Church. Next Sunday, we will be at 500 Eastwood Street as Eastwood Baptist Church. And the 930 service and the 11 o'clock service and the South Campus service will all be together in one service next Sunday at 10 a.m. Nobody's meeting at their regular time, right? We're all going to go to the East Campus. Why the East Campus? Well, because the East Campus has the most seats in it. And we're going to need them all, we're praying, for us to come together as one family for that one service, seeking God to move in our midst. Don't miss it. If you've got something else scheduled, cancel it and be there. And to prepare our hearts for that, to prepare our bodies for that, the challenge is this, fast and pray this week to prepare for consecration next Sunday. Now this might be a surprise to you, but Baptists ain't known for fasting. (laughs) Amen? We're more known for what we did last Sunday, which was potlucking, all right? We're way more known for that, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Fasting is a powerful practice from God to grow and to intensify our hunger for Him. The key to receiving the good blessings that God has in store for your life is to be hungry for it. And so we're going to do everything in our power to learn to grow and intensify our hunger for God through fasting. So this morning I want to teach you about it. I want to make sure that you understand what this powerful practice is, what fasting is, so that then you can participate in it with joy and understanding, not confusion or just, well, everybody else is doing it, so I'm going to do it. And I certainly don't want you to set it out because you, it's a mystery to you. It sounds strange to you. You want me to not eat? <laughs> what? It sounds very strange, and it is strange in this regard. You and I were not made to not eat. We were made to eat. And so it's going to be strange in one regard if you've never fasted before. But don't set out. Don't set out. Again, we're calling you to three commitments this week. We're calling you to be there next Sunday. At what time? 10 o'clock. At the East Campus. Nothing's going to happen here. Over there, there'll be no small groups for adults or youth. Only birth through sixth grade will have small groups, okay, at 10 o'clock. All the adults and all the youth will go into the worship service together. So that's the first commitment we're calling you to. 
The second commitment that we're calling you to is to use the devotional, consecrate the people that we've given you, okay? If you did not receive your copy last week, there are more out there at Guest Info. And if we run out of guest info, we'll run around from the classrooms and, and, and gather up anything else. And if we run out of those, I have a PDF that I've already sent out to a lot of folks, and I'll send it out to you. I'll put it on Facebook this week. But you begin that today. Today is when you begin that devotional journey moving across through next Sunday. It's an eight-day journey that starts today and finishes next Sunday. So we're calling you to commit to being there next Sunday, to using the devotional, consecrate the people. And then we're challenging you, calling you to commit to fasting this week. All right, and that's what we're going to talk about. I'm going to ask and answer five quick questions this morning about fasting. There are lots of definitions. So the first one is, what is fasting? We're just going to define it so that everybody has it. Here's what fasting is. Fasting is a Christian's voluntary abstinence from a normal function primarily eating, to intentionally focus on God for spiritual purposes. That's a big definition. Let's just say it this way. Don't do this so you can focus on God, right? It's stopping this and replacing it with God, okay? That time with God, the time that you would spend eating, or in this definition here, right? It's it sort of broadened out, but fasting first is Christian. It is a, Christian, a Christian's voluntary abstinence. Right? Fasting by non-Christians, it gains them no eternal value. Actually, I read not too long ago that, that fasting, it, like, like you used to pay to go to resorts to eat, but there's actually cropping up this move to where you go to resorts now to fast. It's crazy, man. Keep me away from that one, okay? But nevertheless, right, if you're, if you're, if you're not a Christian, then, then fasting is going to give you no eternal value. But if you are a Christian, you will get eternal value from this. Secondly, it's voluntary, right? It's not coerced. We are not making you fast. The question you'd ask, God, would you have me to fast? We are simply encouraging you to fast. We are calling for a congregational fast, but we are making no one fast. This is voluntary. Starving people aren't fasting, okay? All right, so, but so it's voluntary, all right, completely around. And we, we're not going to make you fast, all right, but nevertheless, it's voluntary. Third, as we think about that definition, that definition of Christian's voluntary abstinence from a normal function, all right? It's a normal function. It's not doing something that we normally do and replacing it with time with God, all right? Now, anything that's morally neutral... Any normal thing that you can squeeze out time with God can be fasted from. You can fast from food, right? That's what we're primarily talking about here. You can fast from food, but you can also fast from TV. You can fast from social media. You can fast from the phone. You can fast from talking. Some of you, that'd be harder than not eating, right? <laughs> you can fast from sleeping. Now, the key is that you choose something to give up that's not commanded. So if you said, now, I think the Lord has really commanded me to not love, I'm going to abstain, I'm going to fast from loving my wife this week. No, 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 that doesn't work, right? You are commanded to love your wife, all right? So you can't pick things like that. And, and you also shouldn't fast from something that is sinful. If there's something in your life that is sinful, you don't fast from that because fasting means you're going to start it again soon. If it's sinful in your life, you've got to get rid of that. You've got to radically amputate and throw that junk out, okay? 
So some morally neutral thing that could distract you from God can be fasted from. It's important for you to kind of begin developing that list. Especially if you have some sort of medical condition that causes you to not be able to fast. Maybe you take a medication. Maybe you're a diabetic. Maybe you're in cancer treatment. I mean, just just whatever it is that, that you currently have that would cause you a lot of problems if you fasted. Food is not your only option. But let me say this. In the definition here, it's abstaining from a normal function of life, primarily eating. All right? Now, that's very important for us to understand, right? While fasting has this broader definition for us, all right, that we just talked about, where you can fast from many different things, any normal function where where you can take that and, 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 and give that time to God instead, when it comes to the Bible, the only example we ever see in fasting is actually fasting from food, all right? So primary, primarily when it comes to fasting, we should fast from food. It never commands, it never exemplifies fasting from anything else. That itself should cause you me to primarily think when we think about fasting, we should primarily think of fasting as fasting from food. And again, yes, you have liberty to do other things, especially if you have a medical condition. But if we never fast from food and we are able to fast from food, then we've missed out on the biblical center of what fasting is. Next, as you think about that definition, what is fasting? Well, it's intentionally, it's intentionally focusing on God. Right Again, you're not just going to not eat or not be on social media or not watch TV. You're going to take that and replace it with God. That time that you were given to other things, these natural functions, you would instead give to God. And the way that you give that to God is by fasting and praying. Did you see that? I'm not just calling you to fast. We are calling you to fast and pray. That's what you replace it with. You replace eating or that other thing with prayer and praise. Crying out to God. Worshiping God. And it's for, fear, it's for spiritual purposes, right? Finally, as you think about the last part of that definition. Yeah, fasting can have physical benefits. Some of you may already be on a diet of intermittent fasting. That is for physical purpose. You're, you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to get into ketosis or whatever else. I don't even know what that is, but some of you are in it right now. You are in ketosis right now, okay? But that's for physical benefits. But when you fast for this, this is for spiritual purposes, spiritual benefits. So again, what is fasting? Fasting is a Christian's voluntary abstinence from a normal function, primarily eating, to intentionally focus on God for spiritual purposes. That's question number one. What is fasting? Question number two, who should fast? And this is the easiest question of them all. (laughs) Every single Christian. Can I get an amen? Oh, now I know you're already thinking, man, I'm going to be so hungry. It's going to be awful. No, it won't. I promise you, right? Fasting is a spiritual discipline. So yeah, it may be hard this time. It's like if I were to go out right now and try to run a mile, it would kill me right? Especially if I had to run it in a certain amount of time. Running is a discipline, and so is fasting. So maybe there are some of you in this room who are already marathoners when it comes to fasting. 
But for the rest of us, maybe this is just like, this is like the, this is like the 3K. We're just getting out here, right? We're just dipping our toes in the water of fasting. That's okay. God will meet you where you're at. And he will use that if you will simply be faithful to do this. Every Christian should do this. It is a powerful practice given to us by God to awaken us to God. If you've never fasted before, this week is a great time to start. It is a great time to start. You will not die from missing a meal. I promise. And most of us, if you're like me, you got a little extra stored up anyway, all right? (laughs) You'll be all right. But you will get hungry. But in that hunger, when you physically feel that hunger, if you'll cry out to God in that, you will begin to feel yourself getting hungry, not for food, but you'll feel yourself starting to get hungry for God. Every Christian should fast. And I'm calling every Christian at Eastwood to fast this week. Why? Number three, why should I fast? And the answer is, we've kind of already covered this with our text there in in, in Psalm 107 and, and Proverbs 27, right? Because the answer, why should I fast? Because you want to be hungry for God, right? We, we have all sorts of room in our lives. We only have so much room in our lives. And we want to have plenty of room in our heart and our lives for God to open up heaven and download all those good things that he has for us, right? Again, namely himself. Remember what we said, Psalm 107, verse 9. Psalm 107, verse 9 says, For God satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul, he fills with good things. I don't know what that good thing's going to be. Have you began to ask God even as you've you've been leading up to this? God, what are you going to do? I I don't know what you're going to do, God, but I believe you want to do something. And I have no idea at this point individually what God is going to do or what he's going to do corporately. But I do know that God desires to do good things. And you never know what good things God, what he's going to pour out. When a fast begins to happen, right? He might just do something that changes the entire course of history, like we saw in Acts 13, or like we see in Acts 13, verses 1 through 3. Here's what the text says Acts 13, verse 1 through 3 says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them out. Saul here in this, in this passage, right? We better know him as Paul, was the greatest missionary the world has ever known. He he went on to write 13 books of the Bible in the New Testament here, almost half of our New Testament. And one of the key moments that led up to that, all that happening, this missionary movement, this worldwide missionary movement, and the completion of the book, the Bible that we have now, one of the key moments that led to all that was when the saints there in Antioch fasted and prayed. They were hungry for God, and God filled them with good things. 
Would God do something like that? Would God, through this experience, call out missionaries? Would God, through this experience, free you from some sin that currently has you bound up? Right? Would God open up doors for someone that doesn't know Christ to come to Christ and be saved? Would God just pour into you an infilling of the Holy Spirit that you would be bolder to go out and be a witness for Him, right? I mean, I don't know what God's going to do. We could come up with a thousand different things of good things that God might want to do. I don't know what He's going to do. But I know that He desires to pour out good things. And we need to be hungry in order to receive them. Fourth this morning, when? When should I fast? Well, there are lots of occasions. Lots of occasions or reasons to fast. There are it's really, it's limitless, but let me just give you a few ideas of just sort of in general when you might want to fast in your life, okay? Fast when you want to strengthen your prayer life. That's one of the reasons that you fast, that you might be hear God more clearly and you might speak to God more clearly. Fast when you want to seek His guidance, if you want to hear His voice. Fast when you want to express grief. These are all ways in the scripture that we see fasting used Fast when you want to seek deliverance or protection for yourself or for your family or for a loved one. Fast when you want to express repentance and return to God. Fast when you want to humble yourself before God. Fast when you want to overcome temptation. Fast when you want to express love and worship to God. The list could go on and on, right? There are myriad reasons to fast, but I want to point you to one more reason, the reason that we are gathering together as one body next Sunday in one place, and it's this, fast when you want to dedicate yourself to God, fast when you want to dedicate yourself to God, y'all, that's what this week is all about, that you might afresh dedicate consecrate yourself to God. Set yourself apart once again for God. That's the reason that we are beginning to fast and the reason we're coming for consecration. So finally, the final question this morning, the fifth question is why or how. How? How should I fast? Now maybe this has been one of those things that you've kind of been confused about, okay? I'm just hearing, hey, we're going to fast next week. And that scared you because all you can think of your mind is, I ain't going to get to eat anything all week, right? I'm going to go eight days or seven days or six days and not eat or even drink a thing? That's not what we're calling you to, okay? Here's what we're actually calling you to, okay? Fasting is primarily abstaining from food, but it can be broadened to include all these other categories, these other things that we talked about. So in my list here of how to fast, I'm going to give you three ways to focus or that focus on food. And the fourth, I'm just going to give you for other things, how, how to focus on other things, okay? So first, how should I fast? You can do what's called a normal fast. A normal fast. A normal fast is simply abstaining from all food and drink except for water. That's what we would call and define as a normal fast. Abstain from all food or drink except for water. You determine how long you want to do that. Maybe that's just one meal. Maybe that's two meals each day. Maybe that's all three meals. 
for a couple days. I mean, that's just up to you, okay? We, we're leaving the door open for you to be led by God and to challenge yourself in this season of fasting. We see this kind of fast, this normal fast with Jesus when he was being tempted by the devil. We read in Luke 4.2. Luke 4.2 says, For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, Jesus ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. It didn't mention anything about drink, right? He abstained from food. He was hungry. He wasn't thirsty at the end. He was hungry. And so this is the most common form of Christian fasting is a normal fast. A second option for you, though, as you think about how to fast this week is what you might call a partial fast. A partial fast is this. It is a serious limitation on your diet, but not abstaining from all food. Let me say that again. A partial fast is, is, is a serious limitation on your diet of some sort, but not abstaining from all food. So a partial fast could include fasting from certain foods while still eating others. For instance, that's what Daniel and his buddies did. Remember in Daniel chapter 1, verse 12, Daniel said this. He said, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. He, they were fasting from meat, weren't they? They were just eating vegetables and water, all right? So it could include like abstaining from certain foods and still eat others. Or a partial fast could be this. You simply eat only very small amounts of food at mealtimes. You, you eat like a bird, right? For the times when you would normally eat a, whole, eat a whole meal. So that could be a partial fast for you as you think about this, okay? The third option that you have is what would be called an absolute fast. An absolute fast. Now, an absolute fast is avoidance of all food and all drink. All food and all drink. We see this in Esther 4.16. It says, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night, or day. And I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I'll go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And so here we see Esther calling for a, 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 an absolute fast. Eat nothing and drink nothing for three days. And let me say this just as a caveat. Be very careful with this one, okay? Be very careful with this. Because while a person can go three or four weeks without eating food, a person can only go three or four days without drinking, okay? So be careful of that. You'll also see if you, as you read your Bible, there are some absolute fasts that became supernatural in the fact that they went for 40 days. Moses did it, Elijah did it, where they fasted absolutely no food, no drink for 40 days. Guys, that physically is impossible. That's a supernatural fast, all right? And God may want to do that in you. Praise God if he does, all right? But nevertheless, we're not going to put that down as an option. We're going to work with these four right here. So you got your normal fast, partial fast, and absolute fast that deal with food. Here's your fourth option, okay? Your fourth option is what we would call an alternative fast. An alternative fast. Abstaining from some other normal function other than eating and drinking for spiritual purposes. 
And we mentioned a few a moment ago, okay? We mentioned things like TV. So it would mean this. If you want to fast from TV as an alternative fast from food, then basically you would come in at night instead of watching your favorite show, turning on the DVR or watching YouTube or whatever, you instead pray instead of watching that media. It might be that you fast from the phone. Again, or you fast from talking. Or again, you could even fast from sleeping for a period of time. Instead of sleeping, spend that time praying. But you, you, those are all options for you as you think about this, this alternative fast. I provided for you because, I, 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 again, I don't want you to be confused. I want you to understand, all right? So I've given you, and if you didn't get one, there are some more back there as you go out. I have provided for you, we've provided two resources for you. First is this one here. And this is basically important tips for fasting believers, okay? How to do it safely, how to manage your schedule, dealing with responses from friends and loved ones, how to maintain nutritional balance and health from beginning to end, okay? So that's there for you. The second resource that I've given you is... What is my fasting schedule? Okay, you need to kind of think this through. Because we're not calling for specific times and ways for you to fast. We are simply calling you to ask the Lord, Lord, how would you have me fast? We're all at different levels here, right, when it comes to fasting. So you can see, for instance, I've just given you an example of, of, of what uh, Christy and I are going to do here. So starting tomorrow, you can see normal fast for breakfast and lunch, and then we'll eat dinner. Normal fast on Tuesday until dinner time. Normal fast on Wednesday until after the worship gathering. We're going to come together and pray this Wednesday night. And it may be good if you fast through that time and eat after the worship gathering. Thursday, you can see, and Friday, you can see that we're going to do partial fasting. Partial fasting. And then on Saturday, we're going to return to normal fasting, and then eating dinner that night. And so that's just our schedule. I'll just give that to you as an example. So you can say, so you can mix and match, you can skip this day, you can do that day, but we're just calling you to fast. And we've given you that resource there just to sort of help you think through what your schedule is going to be. Beloved, are you ready for God to move? Are you ready for God to open up the storehouses of blessing and pour them out on you. Remember what our word says. For God satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Here's my final prayer. May your hunger for God grow so that you have plenty of room for him to fill you with good things. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for a chance to preach your word this morning, and I ask that you would just begin to solidify in the minds of your people how they are going to respond this week as they think about fasting, as they think about consecration, preparing their hearts for what you're going to do. Father, I know that here in our midst, this is a mixed crowd in this regard. There are people here who are not yet followers of Christ. And there are also here who are followers of Christ. Father, first, as I just pray, God, I want to pray for those who have not yet repented and trusted Christ. 
God, I pray that this season of fasting, that if they choose to enter into it, God, that you would awaken them to their need for a Savior. God, that you would move in their heart and this would be the season that they would turn from sin and trust in Christ. Father, I pray that if they themselves don't do fasting, that, that, that someone here who is a Christian would be burdened for them through this fasting season and would begin to pray and to beg the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does to save that person. Father, I want to pray for those who are already believers. God, help us to not fear fasting. Help us to take it seriously. God, what we're calling this congregation to as a family next Sunday, all this week and next Sunday, God, we want you to do great and mighty things. Help your people to be ready through fasting. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we give you thanks. And all God's people said, amen. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that He sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live and he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us, and I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.